Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Assemble, show where you come for your rambling, geeky download. My name's Tommy, and I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by my friend and host from across the pond. It's our resident MIA podcast colonel, DL. MIA podcast. That's really hard to say. Can wow. You, can you appreciate how hard that was to I say? Can, and I, 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 I appreciate that, but I appreciate your haircut more. Man, did, Thank you. Did you get some added? It looks so good. What? what <laughs> it looks so thick. What happened? Like, well, so it's back. a delight. By France, check him out. He is a very good hairdresser. Oh, I actually haircut. go to his protege. He's so good. He's so good. His protege is good. And cost ten dollars less. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth of the matter. There we go. How you doing, mate? What's happening? Uh, good, man. It's freaking uh, yeah. One of those days where I got barely had a, a moment to breathe, but I'll take a shit. Apparently, <laughs> well, I I did do that, <laughs> and one of the people I talked to today was subject to talking to me while i did that so, <laughs> that's what happens when you give me no time i can't wait for your boss to hear this podcast because we all know he's a regular <laughs> listener now i don't think he has time could you imagine if he went if he was genuinely a regular regular listener and he was like who um, was who it? is this dude <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> he's probably like was it me i talked to him <laughs> twice today so you, you know. <laughs> oh he hasn't brought it up <laughs> yeah it's probably for the best before we get into it guys there will be time codes in the description and just so you know, we have a new collaborator on the pod this week, Mr. Matt Bliss. You might have heard us talk about him before. He is a blissery podcast and is our new editor and chief. He did a great job last week, Dio. He did. He did. The first one you've listened to probably ever. No, but <laughs> Matt, you know what? I'll give you that. Matt, you you are the one that made me listen to my own podcast. Matt is a frequent collaborator, frequent collaborator if I can say words. Uh, he has his own pod, Drop Dead Pod. Uh, it's all about video games. It's quick. Well, I mean, we we can't say we've ever been quick at podcasting in our entire lives, but it is quick, short fire rounds of gaming news. It's really interesting. Go check him out. Um, we'll be leaving you his details either at the end of this podcast or in the next one. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. You know what? I had a fucking lovely time watching the soccer with you last week. We did. We did have a time. We, we actually middling soccer. got out for once on a weekend. Would That's you believe? Fun. It was bloody good fun. And I haven't watched football. It's, I got to say football. I'm sorry. I haven't watched football soccer in forever. I don't know, man. The pound's like equal to the dollar right now. I think it's now soccer. <laughs> <laughs> With the euro, and you guys have brought it back. Yeah, I think it's a thing. The power has shifted, clawing it back. <laughs> oh no. Well, we'll be gi- we'll be giving up uh, Hong Kong and India soon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the British Empire is receding. <laughs> yes, it's receded for sure. Yeah, it's completely gone. It's about got about as much hair as Jason Statham has these days. And yeah. I've, twice as bad accent <laughs> he's got what no is, hair what is happening he's got what no hair happening? surely that's they got I mean. a couple calls that, that's receded it's, it's receded yeah i don't know completely. where it is right now i don't know where it is. What, have, what have you been up to buddy what's been happening you know i've been just watching the same honestly nothing new Ooh, i finished okay. a book actually i'll start with that yeah start with the book, a book i called, love when you come with a book recommendation called fever dream it's one of uh, George R. R. Martin's earlier works ah. that I heard was pretty good, and I was kind of just curious. Is like because because Game of Thrones does he, does he finish a book in the book like a fever dream you have every other? The book does finish. <laughs> you're like you're like please completed. finish Game of Thrones. It is very uh, you know it's it's a different kind of story. unique. Well, I w- like I say it's super unique. I just mean it's it's uniquely different than his okay. other work. Like it's it's a it's self contained. It's um I it's pretty quick like not super depthful it's just like a it's a page turner kind of thing oh cool uh or not super dense i should say and it was good man it's about uh yeah, what's the what's the yeah, high level plot synopsis it's about a uh an owner of a mississippi steamer in the late 19th century so that's early yeah that'd be the late basically when 
when steaming and traveling America was only really done via the rivers on steamboats. When you said steam, then all I could think of was like the gaming platform. <laughs> no, like, steam, steam. Like, so, so now? Like a, like a riverboat. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, it's like yeah. a riverboat, man. Like what Maverick was filmed on with Mel Gibson. I haven't seen it, but the, sure. The game, the, the film about poker. It's, it's all right. Yes, don't worry about it. I'm going to agree with yes, you. Yes, agree with me on that one. It's, it's basically like the late, yeah, like eight, late 19th century. And um, this guy, this it follows this guy who's running a steamboat. And it's a vampire. Ooh. It's a vampire novel. You know, I don't, I don't think there's enough. I think vampires have taken a step back in medium at the moment. You'd like this book then. I'm a big vampire guy. This this book is, uh, it's, I don't think it's complete. I think there's some other people that have done a similar thing to him. But he, he, he made it more... Uh, you know, less supernatural and more okay. just different race. Well, that's interesting. And uh, and it's an uh, interesting tale Classic of George. good and evil, right? You Classic it's, it's a good book. It's a good book. Nice. It'd be a good little, like, HBO miniseries. Ooh, oh, that would be fun. Yeah. I bet HBO will pick it up as well. Oh, they got the rights Let's to those other Let's pitch it shit. to them. I'll write the adaption. Yeah. Oh, well, I've been up to a couple of fun things this I, week. I didn't ask. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I'm fine too. Thanks, DL. Um, do, do you want to do? Uh, do you want to do House of Dragon, mate? How, how good is this show? I mean, we should, of course, put spoilers in for all of this at the yeah, moment. Sorry. Like, what, what episode are we up to now? Eight. Eight. We're at episode. We've eight. done episode two left. Is what we're saying. Yeah, this show's phenomenal. It's about to kick off. I think. About to. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's about. This to. is like the calm before the storm. Tragedy is only tragic if the if the individuals uh-huh. have a chance to get out of it and they choose not to. Yes. Which is what we got last episode. So close. Which means shit's going down. Getting real. I can, can, I, can I just say, please? I'm just a proud fan. <laughs> I, proud I, I just, I just really thought that they were gonna fuck this up. They've turned it around for you. I knew somehow. they. I knew they couldn't. I, I think earlier I, I knew that they could do a good. Good job, but I just wasn't sure that they would. Do you know? Do you know, do you know how they've turned around? They got rid of Dan and Dave. <laughs> Check out my YouTube video on Podcast Assemble, our YouTube channel, about why I hate Game of Thrones. You'll understand why Dan and Dave suck. I gotta say though, like it's hard to like fully say they suck because they did such a good they job did. at the beginning. Yeah, they did. It's hard, but it's just like it just gave up. They they gave up and jo- and they didn't. And you know what? They didn't consult george they just stopped doing that yeah, they, they got did. lazy yeah they got real lazy they got rich and fat and lazy they did can we go back to my yeah. uh, my, my favorite part of this show the the most vanilla uh, take on this show of all time one more time and actually the final time patty considine yes wow doing a great job just smashing it cgi on the sort of big fucking gaping hole in his face yikes uh, yeah i mean it, it had to be cgi right he doesn't have a gaping hole in his face no he absolutely okay, doesn't yep the, he's that not that CGI old either is crazy and has one does not have one arm so i really i really like this episode because it clearly sets up the main uh thrust of everything that's about to go wrong yeah in the show yeah and i really liked how they did it by making you believe they'd all made up and they're all friends and then the very last second, it, just a miscommunication is all it takes. It's all it takes for her to make the decision. Because she, she was wavering and it's just like fate, right? She was ready for it to be. Yeah. She's wavering, but like the point is What's she still name? wanted it. Allison. Allison still wanted it, but she was, despite herself, going to let it go. If, it, if all it took was this fumbling, mumbling, you know, you know, it's kind of still hurt. It's like, like a feather breaking a camel's back. Yeah. Like it wasn't a lot, was yeah, it? It was no. like, she was ready to go to war. But that goes to show that like, you know, the, like I just said, it's more powerful when the, when the characters make oh, it's the decision. so good. I, I really enjoyed this week's episode. It was everything Game of Thrones stopped being. It was all of the tension. It was all of the, just, you know what? My favorite scene, and this can sound really random, 
was when King... Is, which king is it? Jaehaerys? Which king is he? Viserys? King Viserys, sorry. Paddy Constantine's character rocks up to the council, hasn't left his bedchambers in, in however many months, years. You mean the throne room? Throne room. Yes, rocks yeah. up to the throne room. And the best bit of the whole episode was him walking so slowly just down the aisle. And I was just like, they could have like they could have rushed this they could have like you know cut it down it's like no they forced you to realize how frail he is and then he gets to the front but he's still got the will to do it i loved it i mean it's just like how do you know a show's doing a good job when one of the most compelling scenes in the story is just an old dude yeah walking down yeah and that just goes to show how well they've done the characterization of these yeah. characters the last six up ep- seven episodes some of the kids not so much but, but, but like know, for him they're I mean, in it for like 15 seconds so but for him and i, I think the payoffs were largely not for them the sure. payoffs were for for patty and, and matt yeah, smith yeah, completely like the all the work they've done on those characters culminated in this episode really well in a couple different ways and one of the ones is what you just described that scene yeah. is like the peak drama of the episode, and it's an old guy walking down the yeah, hallway. I love it. <laughs> like, it's love it. good writing. It, it, I gotta say, it's probably one of the best non, as you said, non battle centric Thrones episodes ever. Absolutely. I don't think there's gonna be any proper battles in this series, and it's great. I'm happy with that. Be, man. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't need to. Yeah, there probably will be one, though. I think there might be a little one, but I think it'll just. I think it might end with a sort of like a tease of what's to come. That'd be the smart thing to do. I think people would just be like so hungry for more hyped, bro. Well, like let's. What are what are some some highlights for you outside of that from this episode? Well, the I think the real key highlight is, and, and I mentioned the kids a moment ago. They're not good, any of them, except for the one whose name is probably one of the names uh, that they've all got the same fucking name. So I've got no idea. The one who had his eye cut <laughs> out last week. Amen. Eamon's Eamon. such a badass. Yeah. But Eamon last time was a badass too. All he, castings he was, of Eamon are badass. He was good. Yeah, the <laughs> only good one. And uh, in this episode, he clearly becomes a badass. Like, he's good with a sword. He, he has got that. He's cat. the one of that Targaryen group that's taking his mantle seriously. He's the real Targaryen in that. Him and Daemon, though. I like that. I like that. Per- they're clearly like a mirror image of they're, each other. They're clearly a foil. And they're both, they're so both like good. clearly intrigued oh. and, imp- and like impressed, impressed by each other. Yeah, um, so, the, so the question- I like that. But because it's like, because like, they're going to be at odds. It's like a mutual mutual respect that they know they're going to have to test out. At some yeah, point. yeah. <sighs> the interesting. the interesting, the most interesting. Like you say, you didn't like the the castings of the kids. To me, I'm just so impressed that like they're able to keep me this engaged while recasting every other. Yeah, that's actually episode. a very good point. No, every episode, like literally the last three episodes. No, we got two. Didn't we get two episodes with the the other kids? I think we got two and two. That's how they like her. They were bad. It, the last ones were not good. I didn't think they were bad. I didn't enjoy them. which one. Which but ones I mean, did you not like? Like the, I think they're they're like annoying, but they were supposed to be like. That's why Eamon's just like you guys are little little boys. Yeah, you little, children. You're little pups. They are children. You're little pups. You're not messing with the big dog. <laughs> All right, that's like my that's my point. Like it's just they're meant to like come off that way because yeah, okay. you you realize like oh these guys don't really stand a chance, do they? Against Eamon. we have absolutely no point in doing like game uh, House of Dragon episode because we've just we've we've done it. We've talked about it. I don't, I don't mind, and I don't mind. We can, we, I, we we'll, can do another. We'll we'll just quickly wrap this yeah. up. Then, what was your highlight for this this week's episode outside of that scene? Uh, it's got to be the the impassioned speech that almost was enough. Like that yes. monologue where you got them all bickering from Patty, from Patty, and you get the two like it seems like really really. I guess like so. Just to set the scene, he brings the house together for what? I, I mean, I it almost he's like on he his deathbed. Know, he's he a walking corpse. He knows himself. It's yeah. his last supper. Yeah, he brings the whole family together who haven't been in the same room for however many years, and they're having this supper together. And he effectively gives, like you say, this monologue, this impassioned speech 
about like why are they fighting against each other? Why why do they hate each After other? After he had just like saved what was a massive political maneuver Absolutely. against one that was going to create conflict, he stops it for the for the first time him doing anything in a while. And he's bedridden by this point. Yeah. Effectively completely. So he's fighting through all the pain of being like, yeah, pretty much bedridden. It's, it's really nice. I mean, it's really an impassioned speech that obviously has the effect it's meant to on the two protagonists, Absolutely. like an antagonist. There's this moment where he just takes off the mask and you see the corpse that Oof. he's become. And it's just like the culmination of all the acting he's done and the reactions from all the other actors at seeing it. It's like, it's just a really, like it's a mood change. It's a tone change. Loved the, and loved then, the mask as well. That was cool. Yeah. And then how quickly it just kind of falls. Like, it, it's almost enough. And even despite the... It was just the kids at the end of that. Yeah, even, even despite that, like you still felt gonna... like it could work. And then the Oof. way they tie it together at the end where there's just a basic miscommunication. So which So good. Was, so good. All yeah, right, anyway. cool. What else have you been up to, buddy? Let's let's soiree on. And R. And R. And R. You've been Andor. watching. I've watched another episode. And man, it's really good. Like, I love this guy. I'm logging into my notes. Uh Diego Luna. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's really good. Diego. He's a good actor. Diego. He's a good actor. I like him. Okay. He needs to be in more things. Do you want to expand on that a little? Uh, <laughs> without, you know, I mean, like, I just think this is a really good Star Wars. Uh, yeah, okay. There's not as much stuff to analyze, but he's just like, he plays a incredulous, backed into a corner, I guess I got to do this, rebel, like, no bullshit guy really well. Okay. Yeah. And the castings and the story seems to be a little bit more uh, purposeful. With oh, this Star Wars, rather than just like mates of mates that are the guy that's producing oh, it, yeah. which is what the like what Mandalorian <laughs> yeah. kind of felt like sometimes. Well, you mean like, you just get, like having star power? Well, you just get Bill no Burr in it, and, yeah, then like, fuck, and then you get like fuck, then you get like randomly unbelievable. Like, uh, who else did you get in that one? Um, Zach Braff. He was in the uh, what was, was the most recent one? He was in the most not he wasn't in the Mandalorian. Zach Braff was in, he was in the, the Obi Wan show. Oh, the Obi Wan was he? What, what as what? Some alien. He was got, you, you wouldn't know it was Zach Braff unless you knew it was Zach Braff. Why was he an alien? Fuck, he is that. how the mighty have fallen. I didn't. No, no. Apparently he asked for that. Apparently it was his, it was his idea. And he even yeah, had the I'm idea. Sure it was. It like, was supposed to be like a benevolent alien who's just like helped them along. It was, it was the episode where they, they got on the back of the cart and they drove, they drove them into the rebel force. And he first met. But the, like, why would he want that? The sand snake. Yeah, anyway, he, he decided that he wanted to be a bad guy. All Zach. You get my point. Baby. <laughs> Uh, it's a Zach's little bit, back. It, it seems like there's just, they're spending more time with the characters. Yeah. Okay. And you know who else is in it is, um, who's the guy that's in Thor. That's the scientist in Dune. That's the, uh, bad guy. Oh, Harkonnen. one of the Skarsgårds. Yes. Well, it's there's so it's, many of them. I've lost, you know who track. I'm talking about? The, the old yeah, Skarsgård. Yeah. He's Bill. He's in it. He's really good. Andy, Sarah. I can look it up. If, if <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you mean. Um, yeah, he's the scientist dude. And he's also yeah. in Avengers. He's, he's in good. Bunch, yeah. He's, he's really good. good. Oh, okay. Any, would you recommend going to give it a watch? Oh, 100%. If you watch the other ones, you got it. If you watch the other ones, you got You remember Rogue One was really good? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Probably one of my faves. It's like that. It's a do. It's the same dude. Yeah, it's good. It, my only problem with that is that we all know where he's going to end up. But why am I so still invested? Great question. That's a, that's a, like, it's the same thing with House of the Dragon. Great writing. We know how it's going to end. I still care. He's apparently like Diego Luna. He's apparently like, um, I, I'm just going to do like a couple of seasons. This, this is too much pressure. Like, I just don't care. Like, it's too much, too what? much effort. Really? He's only going to do like a couple of seasons. Apparently, it was supposed to be like a five season arc. And he's just like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm surprised. It's, well, it's apparently a lot of pressure. I mean, style, imagine the fans alone. Yeah, but he's They're like, never but he's so, he's so good. Most people love him. I'm, I'd have to imagine. I, well, how do you know that? And and also maybe he just wants to do other things. Like he well, might, good, he should. He should. All right, I've got a couple of bits. I've actually got three things to yeah, talk about this it. week. I'll give you a quick one, and then I'll t- talk about a couple of others. I watched an anime. I actually watched a couple of weeks ago, but I forgot to bring it up. It's called Tekken Bloodlines. Now, based on the the video game, it's a Netflix anime. 
Mm. And it sort of like picks up a couple of the characters, builds a story around them, builds them around a fighting tournament. Pretty good. Like, yeah. I mean, don't rush out and watch it. I only watched it because I downloaded it for my one of my flights. Yeah. And I kind of was like, yeah, I'll see how this ends. And like, it's all right. It's good. It's, it's very anime. I won't be watching. I don't know how else to explain If I didn't play it. Tekken, do I want to watch this? Probably not. I just wanted to give it a go. I wanted, I wanted to try. Give, okay, well. I wanted Netflix to keep, stop cancelling things. Like like you said last week, stop cancelling things, Netflix. Stop you, it. you can cancel Tekken. Stop I it. I don't care. Well, the one I actually wanted to talk about was, we. so me and the partner, it was the partner's no veto week. And for once, she wanted to go to the cinema. It's always me. Like, oh, okay. I thought you were going to say she wanted to watch the dormer. No, fuck it. Oh, God. well, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll talk about that another week. That's, so that's happened. Um, but we, we went to watch a movie, which we've talked about briefly before, maybe not on the pod, but it's called Don't Worry Darling. Have you heard of it? You have. Yeah. You mustn't. It's got Harry Styles. It's got Florence Pugh. Uh, I've, got I've seen Pine. like memes about it. Yeah. The one where Harry Styles apparently spat at Chris Pine at one of the premieres. Premieres, darling. Um, yeah, it, it, it's int- it's good. It got really bad rap, rep in the press, and I have no idea why. The premise is genuinely quite interesting. Maybe not delivered upon as well as it could have been, but I liked it. Like, it was fun. There was clearly hypnosis in from the very beginning. That was very fucking obvious. Uh, it hypnosis? Was, it was a good... It had a bit of a thriller aspect to it. Check mm. it out. I'd go and... I, I think... Does Gail, does Gail like... Yeah, thrill- what's it called? Don't, don't something, darling? Don't worry, darling. And it's got a good cast, man. Like, Harry Styles is good in it. But interesting, an interesting tidbit while you're watching it, and feedback to me on this, Harry Styles apparently uh, subbed in for Shia LaBeouf. So Shia LaBeouf was supposed to play that character. I cannot imagine this film with Shia LaBeouf in the lead role. So the basic premise is, it's this town called Victory. Mm-hmm. You'll get all of this from the trailers. And I've seen the, I've seen the trailers. Yeah, you'll have seen the trailers. Yeah, yeah. And effectively, it's like a 1950s style town. And all these families are sort of there for this project that this guy, Chris Pine's leading. Mm-hmm. And it's a case of Florence Pugh starts realizing there's some weird shit going on. Yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, all the men just disappear for the full day into this secret project. Where do they go? No one can ask questions. Why can't we ask questions? Yeah. And this mystery unfolds from there. And I, I actually, I mean, we, me and the partner, we both genuinely quite like the ending. It was interesting. Okay. It was quite well. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't perfectly executed. And they probably could have done a bit more with it. And some... it's got Nick Kroll in it, so there's yeah, that. It does. Nick Kroll. <laughs> <laughs> I actually quite like Nick Kroll. He's all right. Yeah. What else have we not to? What do you got? Any, any others? Uh, just Gail's been watching that that Domer murder flick thing. Uh, any I, good? I, look, we're two episodes in. I'm. It's very intense. Can I just say, a if it's not like a actual documentary, I'm not really into it. Okay. I don't need a reenaction of drama. Oh yeah, I don't need a docudrama of a serial murder serial trying to like killer. make me empathize with them like. One B, <laughs> one B, A B. I'm pretty sure these things are not good to make. Why? Like, I'm pretty sure they like for sure encourage more of this behavior. Oh, probably not. Surely like, not. why do these guys do this stuff? They want attention. What do they think in a modern age? If they keep doing it, well, maybe I'll be the next guy to get a Netflix show. Okay. I think it's like it's an interest. Pre- that's a spicy I think, take. I, I, I think we shouldn't do it. Spicy takes. Well, it's it's made for white white girls like Gail. That's what it's made I, for. I, I told her. I was like, I don't think you should watch this. <laughs> well, she's not going to become a serial killer. <laughs> no, <laughs> but like... Fingers crossed. Now the guy's like, oh, it's white Dre, girls Dre's everywhere. not back all for the next in, episode. You know incels, why. All, white girls everywhere are going to watch my documentary about me killing a bunch of people. This was, the, I can't this get was away. the 80s, so we can't get away with it now. Can't get away with it now. You literally got... You could... I, it, it's so hard to be a serial killer now. Not that I've tried. It's not something okay, that I do I'm every not weekend. saying, but like, I'm not saying that like being a serial killer is easy or hard, but like doing killing for exposure. Sure. Like 
I guess like no, that's, I, the new, I, I, that's the new version of it. I, right? I get the Joker guy I, that goes to the theater. Saying. Yeah, like like the New Zealand killings where he streamed yeah, it all. Yeah, I think we should. I just think these shows should remain nameless. Anyway, fair enough. Well, they can't yeah. do now. He's in, he's been in the papers for years. Last one I watched this week was a documentary. Now, do you remember? And actually, I was listening back to one of our very early episodes. I think it was about episode eight or something. And we had a running uh, a running brief update around Army Hammer and his weirdness. Do you remember that? Vaguely. How he sort of became a cannibal out of nowhere. And everyone was like, oh, what yeah. is happening? You remember this? You must do. Yeah, no, he had like a, he had an Instagram scandal where he was into some weird fetish shit. Oh, yeah. It's so much weirder than it sounds. So, on Binge, which is our version of HBO Max for anyone who doesn't know, there is a show called House of Hammer. Now, what it does is it's a three-parter, and we binge this in a, on a Sunday. It was badass. It goes into his history. Now, through the years, right up to his grand his grandfather, his grandfather was an oil tycoon and he was a bad fucking bloke by the sounds of it. Then it goes through the like the generations. How So this is like hereditary. Sorry, shit. No, his great grandfather. So like then his grandfather was a bad bloke, his father was like a real bad bloke. So it seemed money corrupts. Man, it's fucking. Have you really seen hereditary? I have not. Okay. I know I know the twist though, unfortunately. Few twists, I think, but Anyway, I, I guess my point being like, oh, fucking tribal shit. But that, that's kind of the point. So the, the real interesting part of it is, is it seems to be like a male trait in that family. Now, the reason for that is that. So there's something genetic about it, you think? Maybe not, but maybe it's just the Learned. it's nature versus nurture, right? Yeah, so like maybe they're nurtured that way. So interestingly, the sister of his dad, so his, his auntie, whatever she is, is a, quite a normal human being by the looks of it. And she's been trying to expose the family for years. Yeah. She got cut out. She's been trying to say, like, these are these are bad dudes. And she's got, like, a book out about it and stuff. And no one paid attention to it. And all of a sudden, when this scandal came out, like, it became a big TikTok thing. And it became a big thing on social media. Lo and behold, people find out about this book. Yeah, I always she- feel that, like, people writing about their family with a book for exposure. When, when one person's famous, I'm like, ugh. Why don't you just do an interview? Why do you need to make a book? Because oh, you want to make money off it. Like, about the dad, not about, like, because Army Hammer's the famous one. Yeah. It's not written about Army. It's written about the dad, who's her brother, who's a bad bloke by the sound. Okay. Look. I'm actually keen to watch it. Yeah, I think Gail I would be into it too. I would recommend it. it. It's interesting. And it's, he is so manipulative. Like, so, so, is there, so manipulative. Is there more cannibal kink? You, you'll find out. Okay. I'm not going to ruin it. All right, let's, let's but you like, do. But like I say, it goes into the background. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's super interesting. And there's just a little bit of digging. You find all this stuff out. Yeah. Good. Anyway, look, let's shift on. We'll move on to our next segment, which we like to call Have You Heard? Where we talk a couple of bit of news from the week and, you know, talk about the things we've heard. Mm. You like it? Mm-hmm. First thing, have you heard this week, DL? Blink-182 are reforming. Are they reforming or are they just playing new shows? They're reforming. And they're bringing a new so album So we're going to get out. a new album. What happened to the other guy? What happens to the guy? Well, that, I don't wonder that. <laughs> what happens to Alkaline Trio guy? Does he just, just does he just get the fucking? Are they just going to not play those songs in their shows? Yeah, they're good songs. I like. Well, like them you songs. can literally hear some of those songs being made for Tom as well. I, I mean, yeah. Honestly, God, I had this conversation not long ago where like Tom would do a better job of that. Maybe not uh, yeah. live, but yeah, have you heard him live? Definitely not live. He's the worst. Singer. Where are you? He sounds like he's eating a fucking bee. <laughs> oh man, I'm, we're gonna get tickets for that. I guess uh, we are guessing those are gonna be so expensive, and it won't be that good of a live show. It's, but it's like an all timer for me. Like it has to be done. I've Look, seen them before. All, all jokes aside, did you hear this week that there is Witcher update news? We talked about the Witcher a little bit last week. Now yeah. this is the Witcher Blood Origins show. 
which is actually a prequel. a prequel show, which is set 1,200 years before Geralt and co. Geralt? Geralt. Whichever you want. Uh, but it's releasing on the 25th of December. Did you see that? I did not, but I'm excited. I'm excited Is it? Uh, it's not an animated series. No, it's not. It's a live action. Cool. So we saw a teaser for cool. it probably six Did Henry months Cavill ago. audition? <laughs> <laughs> probably. He's like, Don't with enough makeup him. and a wig, Don't put it past I him. can do he this. He can turn up with like horns or some shit. Like he'd, be a, he'd be in it, man, if he could be. I, I remember we talked about this a while ago when we saw the teaser, and we were I was excited. Like it, You didn't see a lot. <laughs> no, it was, it was just the words. You just saw Henry Cavill dressed as a ball. Like it was, <laughs> that could be cool, man. I'm excited. Like, I don't know a lot about that re- that era. I don't know if you do. I haven't read any I of the books. I don't know the lore of this I series that much. I want to read the books. I just know that the elves were like strong back in the day. It's kind of like the Valyrians in the, in the they, they were the bad, but they've fallen they out were. of, but it, yeah, they've fallen out of power in a big way. Yes. I'd like to see more about that, please. Thank you, Netflix, very much. Well, also, did you see this week? And I know you did because I sent you it. But also, this was shared with us by friend of the show, Matt. He's becoming one of our regular correspondents. Thank you again, friend of the show, Matt. Uh, he sent us the new Dead Space remake trailer. I did watch that. You know, I wasn't like that impressed. Didn't look that. Wow, really? But I, I've never played the original. Okay, all right. So I will buy it and play it. But it just did, like, it almost felt like, does this need to be remade? Probably not. But then it's like neither so did Last of Us. And that, that was released like five they, years they've, ago. They've remade that one like three times though. And I guess with The Last of Us, like, I didn't get, I didn't get it. I didn't get hyped for that. No, well, I didn't buy it. But this looks great. I, mean, I remember, mm. I remember we've talked about this on the show before. My brother used to play it. It'll be cool. Back in the day. And we, yeah, I used to love watching him play because it's got like good horror elements. I think that'll probably come out around when Resident Evil 4 remake comes out. And I will definitely play both. Yeah, you should. You're a big horror guy in video games. I'm a big over-the-shoulder horror guy in video games. Yeah. Like, over-the-shoulder shooter. Is, is it video games because your partner doesn't really like horror movies? Um, yeah. I, I think, like, something about horror video games are more empowering because I'm like, I get to at least shoot the thing. Because it's you. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I, like, I, like, it's scarier and I can be like, I can get out of this. Whereas the movie, it's like, it's just this inevitable fate that you're mm-hmm. trudging towards. Tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like I like both, but like I just yeah, I don't, something about the video games I like them more. I'm not a big horror movie fan. I mean I, I like horror movies. I'm not I'm the fine best horror them, movies. But... I don't fuck around with like shitty B gore yeah, flicks. Neither. Like yeah. why would you? Yeah. Well some Terrible. people like some people like that. Like that's a subgenre that they like. Okay. Like I, the B list yeah, horror. See, yeah, I see what yeah. you mean. Sorry, yeah, like it's almost like yeah. I just like really, really good like horror done that, that kind of transcends the genre of horror. Big time. Horror. And and it, when we talk horror, like I'm no aficionado, but I know what I like, and I like more along the lines of like psychological horror. So, like, if you, if I would rather watch a movie, and I know it's not horror, horror, but like, I'd rather watch like a Silence of the Lambs than like a Saw. I don't find I don't find jump scares uh, or jump. But the original Saw was good. It was more than uh, all right, that. Yeah, yeah, fine. But I mean, like, what Saw became? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't that that doesn't really scare me. Like, I get it. Or I'm trying to think of a better better Did example. Did you see the show? I'm blanking on what it's called. Yellow Jackets. No, that's really good too, though. I like. I heard a lot uh, about that this week. Did you ever see the uh, Haunting of Hill House? I did not. You've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, I'm sure I have. Mate, you have to watch it. I remember you took it's, it's, like it's ages ne- to finish it's, it. It's next level good. All right, okay. It's like one of, I would say it's up there like top 10 single season of television for me. Um, is, is it it's not, not, Mount Rushmore. not quite making the Mount Rushmore? It's, it's Rushmore. close. We haven't it, got it, back but to But it would yet. be Bubble. It, it would be Bubble Mount Rushmore. Bu- bubble. Bubble. What does that mean? Like on the bubble. Oh, it's like not it's quite in the periphery. In. Yeah, not not quite it's in. It's like the dude who's on the back that just couldn't quite yeah, get it's, into it's the picture. It's pretty damn good, though. He's photobombing. I, you know what? I might reevaluate. 
my single season yeah. television Mount Rushmore, I might reevaluate. It Someone might... go back and listen to that episode and tell us what we said because I can't actually remember what we said. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have it down somewhere. I think I've, you, you know, said Stranger Things. You said Westworld. I said Stranger Things. I said Westworld. I said one of the Game of Thrones seasons. Yeah, you said five. I did not say five. I said six or one. Okay, six uh, though. Yeah, five or six. I can't remember. Um, you, you... True Detective. Yeah, it can't fit. True Detective. It's, it would have to. It would have to debunk Stranger Things, which you know I might actually. I might actually be down with. Speaking, going back to Dead Space and talking of you know remakes of stuff i'd like to see that as a movie movie and or tv show like i mean it's a little bit i think when when you i don't know enough about the story yeah when you play it like it's there isn't a huge amount to the story like it's it's quite like by the numbers but like if you get good writers for it man goes into alien ship has to get out man goes into mining vessel yeah yeah, kills things things that things kill everything yeah i mean like it's a little bit are there survivors I, i don't know can't remember i'm excited to watch you play it couple more bits of news then did you see this week that the super mario bros official teaser trailer (laughs) dropped with chris pratt and it is setting the internet on fire like fire why chris pratt i don't really know and why is he using his proper voice why is he not talking like the mario that's the worst because he probably because he probably was like i will get crucified I don't know. You could have. Um, yeah, that's what you mean. Uh, but no. Like, why choose Chris Pratt? Why not just? That's my point. Like, why would he accept that? I don't know. I'd be like, they must money. Pay, I guess <laughs> lots of money. But like, there's like, I'd be like, this is a recipe for disaster. Absolutely not. I guess he just doesn't care at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, if someone offered you twenty million and was like, you'll get some shit for this, you'd be like, twenty million dollars. All right. Yeah. I guess I just like don't think I would. Like, you I would take twenty million dollars. Not if you're already him. I like you, you know what I mean, like Christian. Like I just think I respect like Christian Bale. Like that guy makes like decisions not just for money, but also for like the passion of it. Yeah, for sure. And like things that'll move film forward. Like you know, he's like Chris Pratt. Why are you Mario, bro? Why are you Mario? I don't care. Why it's you gonna? Why? It's gonna be fine. Why like, is he Mario, man? The movie is gonna be fine. People forget about it in fifteen well, minutes. First they- of all, I saw two Italians yelling at each other in crazy, crazy <laughs> hand language when I was in Italy. It will be way funnier if it was an actual Italian dude playing Mario. That's very true, and it would be complete nonsense. It would be so good. <laughs> now I gotta listen to this white dude just talk white for <laughs> fucking. <laughs> they apparently slimmed yeah. him down as well there's a lot of controversy about the, the look of mario he's, oh, he's not, not fat his, enough he's not got his gut he's not got his badonkadonk apparently he's not the same internet body shaming it's back baby all right final bit of news then before we move on uh thank you everyone for sharing news with us this week this one came from and i wanted to bring this up because we've already mentioned friend of the show matt bliss who's now our editor thank you matt bliss he shared this with us this week that the blade movie is with mahershala ali is in trouble that's bad news for marvel why is it in trouble the director dropped out. So normally in a Marvel movie, that doesn't really matter because of what they do. They've already because, scripted Because it. the whole thing's the been whole made. The whole scripted was basically made to go. Uh, but, so interestingly, <laughs> they, they've gone back and they're rewriting parts of the script. So what this has meant is, uh, it's supposed to start principal photography in like a couple of weeks. It's gonna, the, the movie's supposed to fucking start and they don't have the script. So what's happened is it's pushed a bunch of the upcoming movies back. Phase six, yeah. So Blade has moved itself back from uh, 2023 to 2024. Deadpool's moved back two months. Fantastic Four's moved back three months. Your favorite untitled Marvel movie has moved back (laughs) nine months. But the biggest killer of all... Why do it? Why say just... Why? The biggest killer of all is that Secret Wars itself has moved back six months. So we are... This is now pushing all the way out to, like, t- late 2025. I do start to wonder how they can plan all this stuff. Like, if they're rewriting something now, doesn't that affect what they've written in, like, these other movies? Probably. 
I mean, like, certainly the ones that are supposed to connect, you'd think so. Yeah, but, like, how do they know what's supposed to connect when they're all unnamed? Wouldn't it be confusing I was reading for it, the people yeah. involved to be like, does unnamed movie four connect to unnamed movie exactly. six? It might be exactly. confusing for them. It's unnamed. We don't know. That's, like, probably a, that's a problem for them, I think. I read a thing this week that basically said that people are starting to think that Kevin Feige stretched himself a bit thin. And I can see it. He, well, you can see that. What do you mean face. stretches like he's, he's just like over it and not paying no, attention? He's, he's well, pulling a D&D. He's just trying to do too much. Like you can't, you can't be all over every episode of She-Hulk and doing Moon Knight and doing the big movies and tying it all together. Like you just can't. Well, yeah. And I guess maybe it doesn't all need to tie together. Anymore. No, it doesn't. Like, I, like there are th- there'll be things that just don't need to. And they'll just they'll have in the bag, you know. It what is mean? getting a bit lazy. Bag. Some of the writing, like the Miss oh, Marvel I, I one. I definitely agree. Not that I paid that much attention to it. That was just like a, a throwaway line in the end that she was effectively a mutant. It's like, all right, cool. I didn't even open it. Exactly. I, didn't even open it I watched like three episodes. Minute. It's fine. Like whatever. Either way, Marvel movies getting pushed back could be good news for VFX artists who are currently being smashed out of the industry by Marvel. So yeah. you know, silver linings and all that. Look, guys, let us know what you've heard. Um, send us any news. We love it when you do. We are at Podcast Assemble on Instagram or thepodcastassemble at gmail.com. Dre's only just re- remembered how to say that, and I've taken over from you. <laughs> I was literally going to say, but you cut me off, man. <laughs> do you want to preface our main topic today? Yeah, so I, I, I didn't actually tell you this. This, was, this movie that we did today, that we're doing today, is an adaption of a piece of literature I had to read in AP English 3 that I really enjoyed. Uh. Um, and when I went into, I was just recently in Borneo in the rainforest and going into a jungle and it reminded me just certain moments of reading that book and knowing that this movie Apocalypse Now was an adaption of the literature Heart of Darkness. It is the Heart of Darkness, I should say. Gave me kind of like a little itch I wanted to scratch. I was like, let's watch some jungle stuff. Now, this is one of our many anthologies, right? So, technically, you said it could be a new anthology, you know, type of movies your dad told you. I thought that we had, I thought that was an anthology we did. Mm, Why did we watch? uh, For me, at least, this sort of fits more in the movies we should have seen but haven't. Because I've never seen this. That was the same. I I consider movies we shouldn't have seen. Same, but different. As the ones that my dad tells me I should have seen. All right, okay. Well, we're going to go full spoilers for this because, you know, it's from. 1978 or whatever it is so yeah i don't think we need to do spoilers and non-spoilers um do you have a stupid plot summary for this i do it's <laughs> fucking stupid man go on man mine's pretty stupid uh well. america bad war bad <laughs> imperialism bad acid good let's <laughs> go like that uh, that's the way you know my mine's just stupid right so what's the only thing a hipster your dad and a film studies minor have in common I don't know what this it is. is their favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair Seriously, enough. like that's it's literally that's that's a demographic for this. No, that's good. Yeah. All right, for me then. Do you want to guess what the current IMDb score is for this? I already saw it. Um, it's eight point five. It is eight point five. All right, that's that's a given. We'll give you that one. Just just that one. Yeah. Do you want to guess me then the Rotten Tomato score? Ninety-two. Ninety-eight. Nice. Might be pretty high. Yeah, the most renowned movie we've ever talked about, and finally the Metacritic score. 85. 94. Wow. 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 Wowie. Look, this is obviously director Francis Ford Coppola and has some fucking cast to it. Like, listen to this. Marlon Brando, Martin Sheen, uh, Robert Duvall. It's got a very young Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. A very young Harrison Ford. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Harrison Ford looked like a nerd in it. Yeah, he looked funny in this. And apparently, so his character is called uh, Colonel Lucas. And now he, because George Lucas had just given him his 
first ever movie, sh- like mm. first ever role in a movie. It was to say thank you for that. I like that as a little, um, yeah. a little tidbit. Now I'm going to call out the names from these characters because I'm not going to lie. I lost track a lot of times. So did you really? Marlon Brando, who is the bad guy in this, is uh, Colonel Kurtz. Martin Sheen is Willard. Uh, Robert Duvall is Kilgore. They're the three main ones. Now I'm not going to lie. Marlon Brando. What about him? Corner- I, I called him out. Oh, did you? Kurtz. Sorry. Big, big, big. Walter Kurtz. Kurtz yeah, yeah. Big, big Kurtzy guy. Kurtz, Kurtz, and Kurtz. Yeah. Uh, all right then. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. Just before we get into this, I'm not a big war movies guy like i like a war movie but i don't love them like my best mate joe literally it's his favorite thing he's a big history nerd i like a good he, war movie. he loves a good war and like i don't this think isn't i've your, even seen that many of them this isn't your typical war movie though no not at all and i and i get that but that but i i just wanted to get that out there at the beginning because it's not something i would gravitate to normally even though i i know its reputation and i've heard about it and i think one thing we should also call out before we start talking about this is this film's almost more interesting talking about the background of it than the actual film itself so you fill me in on what you know oh i will i've only yeah i've only i've only partially researched that um because there were so many different things that came up that i was like i i'm gonna have to rely on tommy for this one oh there is so um, many bits nuggets of knowledge in this. and now like we are gonna miss things right mm. this is such a deep layered film hit us up on instagram let us know if there's we've missed your favorite bit we are at podcast assemble on instagram what what's the general story of this then dl well really i guess the the high level plot it's set in the thick of the vietnam war yes sir um and we follow a special forces commando as he Captain and, a, and a group of his co- other commandos, um, unbeknownst to them, commence on a classified needs-to-know mission to venture deep into the Cambodian jungle, which is, means they're going past where they should be. They're going deep into enemy In territory. order to find and eliminate a rogue general that is psychologically insane. Yeah. Um, as the protagonist, Martin Sheen, uh, carries this burden of leadership, which the others are kind of not, a, not across why they're doing what they're doing, he researches his quarry, and deals with his own kind of war-induced existential crises, I'd say. Absolutely. Can I... I want to make a a suggestion. Yes. While I was watching this movie, I had a lot of, like, theories about it and what was was actually happening in the movie. Can we save them to the end? Like, I want to talk... talk, Save a bit of time at the end. That would imply that I know what's happening in this movie. So I might accidentally stumble upon a theory of yours, having no idea. That's absolutely fine. But (laughs) I mean, like... I did quite extensive research into this and I haven't used any of the ones that I saw, but just seeing them reevaluating what I, what I've seen in this movie in, in the, those lights, mm. I think it might be good to talk about a couple. Of, so I'll save a couple for the end and maybe you've got some that you didn't even think you had. How about that? Okay. 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 Talking about this movie fucking terrifies me. Literally. This is a fucking dark movie. One, it's dark. Two, this is literal theses written about it. And we are just a silly little podcast. <laughs> How about we go and know like, that we don't know what the fuck we're talking we have about? No, I don't even idea. know that much about the Vietnam War. So, like, neither. Let alone, you know, I, I at one point I did know a lot about the Heart of Darkness. I had to write like a bunch of papers on. Right, it. right, right. That point has passed. Is very much in the past. Yes, you are and now in your thirties. Things like that don't stick around. You know, there's been a lot of edibles. <laughs> there's been too many bottles of wine. There's been we, too many bottles of red wine. There's been too many, uh, yeah. There's just been too much time, I guess. Let me, let me, let me, let me set the stage for this movie then. Too, so, yeah. I'm going to give you some some really interesting facts about this movie up top. 
just so that you know we can set the the stage for how nuts this thing is before we even talk about it yeah so the backstory like i say itself is it's it's crazy so coppola came into the basically started filming already over budget he invested seven million dollars of his own money. That's American. That's not Australian dollars. So that's this is, is kind of like the me- the median of yeah. It, in, it turned yeah. out all right. <laughs> <laughs> median, Christ. Uh, uh, and he literally had to remortgage his house uh, and his Napa Valley like winery really to to finish the film. He lost a hundred pounds. Now, for any like regular human, forty five kilograms while filming this. Martin Sheen had a fucking heart attack. And Coppola shot nearly 200 hours of footage, which took three years to edit. Martin Sheen had a heart attack. Literally had a heart attack. Why? And we're going to... All right, well, let, let's, mm-hmm. get, let's get into performances then, right? We've talked about the... Yeah. So what, you, you've said how this starts, right? So this movie starts with Martin Sheen uh, effectively having a moment to himself. He's clearly drunk and he's... Is that letting, what he is? Letting yeah. out a lot... Uh, and drugs... What a, he's yeah. letting out a lot of his anguish in, in a hotel room. Um, this is before you know anything about him, really. Well, you do know that he's a soldier on Sakonman in Saigon, which you, is like, so he's do. not in the thick of the world yet, like in, back in the war. He's already been in it and he's taking time off. Yeah. Uh, you find out that he's tried to go home and he can't do it. So you're already getting ideas that maybe he's got some PTSD going on. Yeah. Now, interestingly, that scene, that first scene where you meet Charlie Sheen, uh, Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, Martin Sheen, like a, it's wow, right? It's an amazing scene and he's just freaking out. Now, interestingly, I'm just going to be spitting trivia at you for this because yeah, this whole film is is trivia central. The, the scene where he's alone in the room and he's freaking out, completely unscripted. So Martin Sheen at the time had really bad problems with drugs and alcohol. And he was literally, he, he effectively said to Coppola, set the film going and I'm going to let some shit out. And this is him letting out his anguish, letting out his pain, trying to get through his own personal demons. <sighs> Fuck. And he actually hits the mirror. The mirror's not fake mirror. He, he thinks he's further away. And he hits the mirror, the cuts blood's all his real. hand. The blood's Everything's real. And he's absolutely fucked up. And there are times when the crew are just really awkward. They're like, should we stop him? Should we stop this? But no, like he's trying to get through his own inner struggles. It's fucking crazy. It's, and to do this and get such an amazing performance somehow is baffling to me. Or it's not because like genius is, you know, tortured. It's, it's right on that uh, cusp, isn't it? Like, what did you think of that? Just, that just that scene, scene was like, it set the tone. Yeah, big time. For his character specifically. For sure. But there, there's elements of it where I almost like, I don't want to spoil my worst. There's parts of it where it kind of made me feel like, well, is this guy already crazy? Well, yeah. <laughs> but but like, but, yeah. but, but, but that kind of belittles, it doesn't belittle actually. I guess it could be seen as a foil too, but a big part of this film, as we'll talk about in a bit, is like you're kind of going down this descent sure. into madness yeah, yeah, yeah. as you go yeah. deeper into the jungle. And it kind of like, to me, I was like, well, this guy's already there. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but that, like I knew that that was what the metaphor was going to be. That's a great comment, though, yeah. because like if you think about it logistically, so like PTSD, like he has been sent on this assassination mission. And those, the, the captains, whatever they are, they full well know that this guy, you know, he is, he is not well. And they're still <laughs> sending him. It says, I think that says more about them than it does about him. Well, the, yeah, this, it might be why they sent him. Yeah, well, maybe you know, so. When yeah. you think about, like, how do you, like, the rogue general that is yeah. doing crazy, crazy things. Yeah. Uh, and morally, you know, morally ambiguous. How do I take him down when I've tried already? Yeah. Oh, they, find yeah, someone, of, a, someone mission, yeah. of an equal. Yeah. I find, I find that, that shadowy meeting at the beginning so terrifying. It's like, weird. It's, huh? it's, it's almost like a horror movie, the way they're all sat around and they're eating the food yeah. and they're like telling him what to do and they're playing the recordings and 
Harrison Ford's there looking all dashing. It's 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 really intense. More into, more intense than this, and that's one of the things I'm going to call about this movie very early on. It's so intense. For sure. So intense. For sure. So, like, he sets off on his journey, right? And I think it's, I think performances is probably a good part to, to talk through a few of these bits. And we'll come back to some of the ones later in the movie. But he sets off on his on his journey. He's got this uh, rogue crew with him, right? He's got this mm. boat crew. Chef. Which includes a, a very, very young Lawrence Fishbourne. I didn't even know it was him. Yeah. I'm not going to... I actually gonna... didn't know either. So that's that's clean. No way. Yeah. I didn't realize so, that. Uh, There's an interesting piece of trivia about that that I'll save till the end. But like, I really like that crew. I find them all, they're all so diverse. They're all very different. I've actually got a theory about them that I'm going to save till the end. Oh. But like, so the, the, the boat trip is like, it's like this weird juxtaposition to like a road trip movie where you get all these fun young guys. They're going, think of road, the actual movie road trip with yeah. fucking Stifler and those guys. Yeah. It's about like self-discovery and we're all trying drugs for the first time and yeah. never had sex with a girl. Whereas these guys, it's a very different type of self-discovery on yes, this boat journey. Yes, it is. I mean, like... I think it's just, it's interesting because they, st- I don't want to jump too quickly into pacing, but it's like hard to not talk about it because this movie is all about how it's paced and the Absolutely. tone of, that, of the of it and how it changes as you get closer and closer to the destination. Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we can mix these up. Absolutely. But yeah. the first real stop of the trip or the first one that really caught my attention was when they get to meet Robert DeVal's character, who is <laughs> Colonel Kilgore, yeah. who I find absolutely fascinating as a human study in this movie. It's like, they're all fucking human studies, every single one of them, which is really interesting. Mm. This guy specifically, the, the way he's described is that he is a, he's a type of guy that has a sheen around him and will walk away from the war completely He's like, unharmed. you just knew he wasn't going to be, yeah. And you can see that, and it's so interesting the way he's written and how he holds himself. His whole thing in this war is about finding somewhere to fucking surf. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah, well, and it's like, the other part of it is it's like how... What does that say about American culture that this guy, this guy is the one that's going to come out unscathed? It's like, you know, it's like, wow, it's like they literally, there's just such a uh, delusion of like, or disattachment from like your impact on the world and like what you're doing. And yeah. And and that's when we get one of our first like real action scenes with, uh, that that created the, um, the iconic line. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah. There's a couple of those. It's yeah. There's, there's so many, and that one's really iconic. But I I thought that the special effects in those scenes is pretty damn good. It was great. There was a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of real explosions in those scenes, and especially the ones where they're blowing up like an entire shoreline just yeah. to get rid of one or two rebels. I think this movie is it's it's less a war movie, more just a reflection on how disgusting war is. Yep. Like it doesn't it doesn't even touch. I mean, we get into tones of things, but it doesn't even. It barely touches on the morality of it. It doesn't need to. It, it knows how disgusting it is from the word go. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's a good movie, and it. I don't know. I I really I enjoyed it. Um, the ending was interesting. We yeah, don't have to talk about it yet, but it was interesting. It was interesting. Well, let's let's get to that. Let, let's let's power through the movie. Maybe we'll let's talk a little bit about the pacing then, as you said. Well, the, the pacing, it's all, it's all interwoven, right? So the pacing really is, you, you can follow it in a few ways. You can follow it by the score. The score changes and becomes way more acid, trippy. Well, it starts off very Americana. Yeah, it starts off the same way the movie starts off. Like yeah. the pacing and the, and the tone of the, of the music choices is like very Americana. Like 
this is an action kind of like fast paced movie. Like you don't really, it's kind of fun at first, even though it's weird. It is weird. And, and, and and then it, you know, and as you start to realize the characters and like the utter depravity of like what's happening, but great, but people don't seem to notice it. They, they, all they want to do is get back to their American culture yeah. uh, while they're literally destroying another person, another culture um, in the same breath. And it's just you, you, the music starts to shift as you realize, oh, this isn't actually fun. These people are kind of weird as they get deeper. The music starts to get more antagonistic and synthy and, and a very clear delineation yeah. between when that stuff stops. And I think I can't hundred percent remember, but I think it's when they cross into Cambodia. Or they're just getting to that point. Yeah. And then there isn't another rock song until right at the very end. It's it, so interesting. It, it really felt as if the movie's like pacing was mimicking our protagonists and our antagonists slow descent yeah, into madness and sociopath, like becoming sociopaths. And, and the, the crumbling of the, I guess, the other people in the crew. Absolutely. Whether it was Chef who couldn't handle it, whether it was like Lance who turns to drugs and just be, literally just becomes like dude, a fucking, yeah. a, a, I don't even know, what would you, what would you call him? Just like a... Since he's one of the tribe at the end. Yeah, yeah, Effectively. he becomes one of the... Great to yeah. tell about that as yeah. well. But I, I, I think that's really interesting how, because in, in a way this movie is about Willard's, Willard trying to cope with his own PTSD while also inflicting on, on these, this group who he's with similar experiences to some you think he might have had yeah he's inflicting the thing that's paining him on everyone else around yeah, him 100 percent. being a dick to all of them. yeah it's, he's not a likable character and no. i find that the most interesting part and each character is like broken in like these unique ways that, yeah. that like contribute to the story they're trying to sell i i, I don't know i just felt like the pacing it, it in, in the beginning it was like this rambunctious almost fun thing yeah it's like a humorous affair and then it like you just kind of feel like you're descending into hell yeah, and like this bizarre absolutely. world where, as they get deeper into the jungle, the sense of rules, the physics, the the view, the perspective just kind of becomes extraterrestrial yeah, and sure. like and like like not real. I think that the use of the sounds of war and silence, especially as you get through the movie, is, silence is there's really a moment in particular interesting. Yeah, yeah, really interestingly used. And one of the tidbits is sort of trivia bits is like a lot of the dialogue had to be replaced because the helicopters and stuff were all just so loud on set. And it was Fair also, enough, yeah. and they were using like, they were using real helicopters. Yeah. So they had to basically ADR a lot of it, which, you know, left many scenes with unusable audio. So interesting. Mm. Once they've met Kilgore and they've found the perfect place to surf. That's actually a really interesting scene when they're still fighting and Kilgore's like, you two go and surf. Go and surf it's or like, fight. what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Uh, I I find it really interesting the end of their time with Kilgore that they saw the the voiceover. Uh, I'm going to keep calling him Charlie Sheen because it's funnier. Charlie Sheen's character. Imagine Tiger Blood in this film. Yeah, <laughs> winning. Uh, Martin <laughs> Sheen's character Willard effectively says like he's trying to bring a slice of Americana to these troops and make them feel better about the situation, but. What he's really doing is make them miss home more. Yeah. I find that such an interesting... A hundred percent. Like, that's a great narrative narrative point. And it, like... It's I also hate narration, too. This is great. It is. And it's, it's, it's like, you've got the Vietnamese that are fighting for their homes, and then, like, American troops that are literally just fighting to go home. Yeah, big time. And it's this juxtaposition. But, like, then it also, like, kind of makes a statement. And I guess we're, we're getting into, like, tones and themes here. Um, if you're ready, let me know. We've got but, a lot to talk about before we get to turns and themes. We've not even got to the ending of this film yet. But the point, I guess the point I'm trying to make is uh, you've got Americans fighting for their homes, fighting to go home. You've got Vietnamese fighting for their homes. Yeah. And then there's like, well, what does home mean to America? 
surfing and psychedelic rock yeah. and drugs. Yeah, barbecues. And but like it, it's kind of this like, you know, not really wholesome playboy. Yeah. And like no. all these little drops that you see that they kind of insert to like represent American culture. It's not really this wholesome thing. And I think it's a statement in that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's interesting that the things they're fighting for aren't as wholesome as maybe they believe they are, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it, well, it doesn't even seem like, it seems like they're, it doesn't seem like anyone believes that there's hope. No. Well, I guess is the point. Yeah. Like, there's not like this disillusionment. Like, most people seem to like not really understand why the fuck. And that's the most interesting part of this movie. Everyone knows how shitty it is. Everyone knows how horrible You're it is. You're in the asshole of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. So true. Uh, so like, as uh, we can skip forward a little bit because we are sort of skipping through. There's a couple of scenes I wanted to really highlight. So there's one scene where just before they get to the Cambodia stretch, they they really descend into the madness of it all as in the boat crew. They stop another boat oh, yeah. to check their stock, to check what's on them, make sure there aren't any weapons. And they're all on such like high alert. They're all on such tenterhooks. One of the ladies on the boat, she's scared for her puppy and she runs to try and save it. And one of the dudes, I think it's actually Lawrence Fishbond's character, Clean, just machine guns the yeah. heck out of them I mean, all. It just goes crazy. Just snaps. And you're just like, they are so close. All of them are so close to snapping. It, yeah. it's, it's almost like levels of how snapped they all are. Yeah. They already, well, they're kind of already there, right? Like, and yeah. that's like right before the music goes into like eerie carnival. Scene. Pretty much. Yeah. Like it literally it's felt like it was like carnival. Is, yeah. yeah. That, that whole sequence though, when they get to that one place that there's literally a war still going on at the very front line of the war, it feels like was a really interesting scene. Which part was that? Where he has to, where he picks up the mail and he tries to go find the commanding oh, officer yeah. Yeah. and there's just the guy, that's when the guy goes, well, you're in the asshole of the world and he can kind of run off. It's like right before they go into the thick of it. So let's then, let's skip a little bit to the to the ending part then. I I'm not trying to skip ahead because there's so much to talk about. But then they, they get to Cambodia, they get to this tribe and the most interesting thing I find about the final act mm -hmm. of this film, it's... You think he's going to get there and that's going to be it. No, he's there for a good like 40 minutes of the yeah. movie. Yeah. So like Willard gets to his destination where he's supposed to take out uh, Marlon Brando's Kurt and Kurt captures him and he's, he, he is his captive. But like willingly almost. I don't think so. I think he basically... It, it was like, I don't know. It just, it just, it did kind of feel... he's outnumbered. He's out, he's outgunned. He can't at that moment take him out. So he has to find another way to... I don't do think, he, I think you're right, but you're also, I also think he wasn't convinced he was gonna. You don't think Brando thought... Will it be, I think well, like he, Brando he is still trying to, was kind of like, because there's a statement of like, Kurtz is like kind of, I think there's also a statement on like the, the, the way, because as, as he's going up the river or into the jungle, mm. you're getting more and more about Kurtz, the guy they're trying to kill. And there's more and more research about understanding like, his mindset. Yeah, yeah. My, and he's like this really, really crazy, smart, professional, um, you know, high, top of his class in Harvard, West yep. Point. Uh, why did he go and join the Green Berets? Like, it doesn't make sense. He, yeah. he did it to himself. He got, he could have been, you know, a high commanding officer. There's all these sorts of other places he could go. And you come to find out that, like, he's now basically doing what the Viet Cong are doing to the Americans to yep. win the war, this, like, kind of guerrilla-style warfare. He's implemented his own, like, version of it in doing so has gone rogue because like yeah. the whole central hierarchy of the military is part of the reason why they're losing the war, the bureaucracy of it, the like hierarchy of it. It's not fluid. It's not, 
and it's working. But even though it's working, the irony is they want to kill him because it's working. And so you get to start learning about him and you almost like see Martin Sheen kind of understanding as he's going to kill, like understanding why he's done what he's done or or starting to identify with him. And you you start to question, is he going there to join him or is he going there to kill him? And that's an interesting one. As he gets off the boat, he's got the the paint on his face and you're a bit like, oh, is he he going for this? Yeah. But I love the juxtaposition of exactly what you just said. The hierarchy doesn't really know what they're doing. And you've got someone like uh, Kilgrove, Kilgrove, who he is as brutal as Kurtz. He's absolutely as sadistic. Yeah. He uses horrible substance napalm to just wipe it. Wipe out a few people in the tree line. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy that he is lauded and allowed to do whatever he wants. Whereas Kurtz, admittedly, his methods have gone a bit rogue, but like it's the same outcome. People still yeah. dying, you know. Like yeah. it's it's not any different. And I guess that's they're, they're, I think they're obviously meant to be yeah, a hundred percent. And I really like that. Now, interestingly, and I like that you described Brando's supposed character in this yeah because what we actually got wasn't quite what was expected no now the the interesting fact about this is he's a curiosity in this movie right he turned up massively overweight for the character he was supposed to be playing really so he turns up like he did feel overweight yeah um he ad-libbed lots of his lines just didn't want to take the script that makes so much sense it really forced coppola to be creative with how it was shot how it was, uh, the, the angling of everything, the, the lighting on him. So, like, you notice every time, pretty much every time you see him, he's in complete darkness. It's because you see him and he's just a fat, he's out of shape. Like, you shouldn't be that if you're like this army. Like, well, the other green part beret. is like the dialogue did feel like it was sometimes missing things. Yeah. Like, it just came off like he was insane. And none of the other stuff that I knew about him really landed. Now, in- interestingly, yeah. in- interestingly, I-, I knew this one before. So there's a scene where he does, he gives you like a two minute spiel and he's just talking and talking and talking. Rambling. And it's kind of rambling. That's apparently part of an 18 minute ramble that he goes on. <laughs> and then, the, and it just got cut down to two minutes because the bits that actually worked for the scene. But in, interestingly, apparently at the end of it, he just turned to Copper and was like, if, if you haven't got what you need out of that, like you're going to have to find a different actor. Like I can't, I can't do any more than this. So like even he expended himself. Well, this the whole shoot was like over well over a year while they were in this jungle. It's the whole thing is madness, and like you can see some of these characters descending literally into madness like, while they're why are this still movie. doing this. Yeah, yeah. I quickly wanted to touch on like the cinematography and world building of this. Mm. Um, we've already talked about that first scene. I really like that. I think that set up the sinister tones just in a different setting. Like it's all so sinister. Um, but also an interesting part. Uh, about this is that the philippines where it was actually shot they didn't have professional film laboratories at the time so this is obviously shot on like proper film like old school no digital uh so it was effectively just been shot blind coppola didn't get to see any of the movie till they shipped it back to the states and and he watched it and he spent three years obviously editing that's probably why he fucking took so much film so much yeah he's like i don't know if i got it yeah how would you possibly know and it's it's crazy so like of of course he's going to shoot 200 hours right uh and you know, the, the thing I liked about this is you can really see modern directors taking big influence from this. One I called out, and I think I called him out a couple of weeks ago, Sam Mendes. Like, you watch, like, 1917. You watch Skyfall. The way he uses light. I think 1917 for sure with light. Completely. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very similar. The, wa- the wash, the, yeah. the shots of the wa- Unbelievable. So, so interesting. Like, I, I like that. 
characterization and i think sam mendes probably took a lot of you know direction from this no i i I really was into the movie yeah uh throughout the whole thing and i and it felt you did feel like you were building this thing and i'm not gonna lie that the the disappointment i think came in the performance of marlon brando yeah i'd say it took me it took me out i was like oh god like that kind of fell flat i think everything else about where they got to yeah did not right it actually increased the mistake so we should talk about that like you the, you go from all this crazy chaos, this weird like carnival style synthy music, explosions. You know they're being attacked by indigenous tribes once they're past the you know the war zone, and then they just show up to like this kind of like old ancient temple in the yeah. jungle, and there's just like literally what like a thousand five hundred people. Yeah, easy. Just silent, looking out from it at them coming up the river. It's just silence i like that though it was, was it was a really creepy. really impressive yeah and then there's dennis hopper who just doesn't shut the fuck up yeah yeah like come on shut up yeah i i didn't really like him that much i guess it added to the manic energy but like the yeah, but the i wanted like you it ended up feeling like you had him and then you just had marlon brando who both just were different energy levels but both just manic in what they were saying like i wanted a little bit more like almost like psychotic intelligence out of the mm. main character, not just like gibberish. I think I think he did a good job of portraying how crazy the character was. Yes, but there was no message. Yeah, that's true. There was no, there was no, it didn't need to be clear, but it like there needed to be something sharper about it. I, think. I agree. Absolutely agree. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the action then in this? Because we've sort of fl- skirted and flirted around it, but like it is brutal. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's not the worst I've seen. Unflinching. It's not the worst I've seen, but it's no, definitely, it's definitely not. It shows the real deal. Yeah. I mean, like the boat, like I, I call it the boat scene where they just murder everyone. For that the one, dog. that was more just like, just th- nuts. That's just like not even brutal. It's just like wasteful and yeah, sad. Okay. Like that's the, that was the first time where, not the first time, but like that, that one really hit where it's yeah. like that kind of stuff would have happened all the time. Absolutely. And it's just like, just wasted life. Murder for like the sake a of murder. Murder a family that just had a puppy. Like there's no reason. Now, interestingly, did you know this? There were genuine corpses on the set. So when they get to that final scene where they're in, um, yeah, where Brando's character is, they just had, a, apparently had an overzealous props guy who was literally grave digging and putting real corpses on set. How fucked up is that? Who is this guy? I don't know, but it's it's a mess. Like, dude, don't, stop, stop that. That stop. Would not fly today. No, why would it? That's actually so weird. That guy's probably a weirdo. Yeah, probably. Maybe he stayed. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, that is crazy. So, though, like, you mean when they show up to the temple? So, we should give premise when they show up to this temple that we just talked about with all the quiet. There's just like random dead people everywhere there's, and like heads corpses of the people like that shrunken murdered, heads yeah. like fucking limbs like it's it's intense it's it's a mess that's and wild yeah man. and you i mean i'm like i'm kind of not surprised the way this movie went like after all that time like <laughs> grim last last thing i want to quickly mention then before maybe we, we we move on what did you think of the acid trip stuff i thought that was really interesting i mean i think like it was it was it fit and it put my brain space in a way, in a place that was like a bit anxious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're already on tenterhooks. Yeah, a bit anxious, but like also, uh, you had a free mind in that moment, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but all, but but also was like kind of just like a temporal like touch for like it being the '80s. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it, in a in a cool way, not in a Top Gun way. Sure, you know, it, yeah. 
All right, so unique. let's let's just quickly touch on the ending before we move on. Then I think we've sort of I feel like we've encapsulated the key parts of this movie for us fairly well. <laughs> yeah, I think like we sh- we should talk about the themes. There's like there's some themes about like well, right, well let's just mix them together because I think some of the tones and themes do bleed into the ending. So what is the ending, Tommy? Well, the ending is that Mr. Sheen, not Charlie Martin, <laughs> he you know he is sort of uh, Marlon Brando attempts to indoctrinate him effectively by keeping him prisoner. By feeding him by be- little little compliments from yes. the photography guy by beating the shit out of by him. By beheading his mate. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, oh. the one guy that like you kind of empathize with. Chef. Chef. Uh, it's a mess. The whole crew get killed effectively, right? Other than the surfer guy. I think he survives. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he becomes one of the tribe. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, he becomes one of the fucking and, followers. Yeah, and what happens is Sheen... Well, he sort of escapes by rolling into the water and pretending to be dead for a second, right? I guess, yeah. Yeah. And then he pops up out of the water and you have this weird, almost, I don't want to say it's a letdown of a scene, but it is a little bit. It's, it's, it, it's certainly not as impactful as I assumed it was going to be. Version of Martin Sheen just hacking Mar- Marlon Brando to death with a yeah. machete. Kills him, slices him up. Yeah. And now the, the, the interesting part about that is that's not that interesting. But the interesting part is that when he walks out, the whole tribe then turn to him as if he's their new leader. And they all sort of bow down in front of him and... and you left with this sort of like question of does he take the job? <laughs> I thought you. I thought we weren't left with that. No, but I mean, yeah, that's, no, that, I thought that's how I they were going to end it. I think that would have been a better ending. I than, thought that's what how yeah. they were going to. But that's but he chooses. Of, he chooses not, and he takes Lance out. He takes Surfer Bro, who becomes one of the followers. He grabs him and he leaves. I'm pretty sure. And there's a really interesting bit of trivia about that in a moment. But what do you think of the ending then? Like, because you said before, like you weren't thrilled by it. Um. Yeah. I, I just it wasn't as heady for the how heady the buildup was. The ending didn't really kind of execute on that headiness or i missed something <laughs> which is probably more likely i mean maybe i not, missed but I mean, something existential that i was supposed to get that i didn't get out of marlon brando's character well answer me this then is it so heady all the way through that you can't continue that headiness it, it you have they wanted an action scene clearly to end on they wanted brando to die i, wa- I wanted more like nihilistic pitching from okay. kurtz you wanted nuance i wanted more nihilistic salesmanship okay all right. like we obviously you obviously have an opinion on this yeah i wanted to hear it a bit more sure why are you doing this what's your motivations we what, never really find that like out. what's ha- like what happened like i don't need all of it yeah. i need just like little slivers more yeah a few, okay. a few little bit tidbits more about like his you want hit- it- about what, how he became what he was. It was more just, this is what I am, and they're hypocrites. Do you feel that you couldn't empathize enough with him then in those last moments? I just fe- felt like he was a bit irrelevant. Okay. Compared to like the image that had built, been built up about him. But maybe that's the point. Maybe it's the case of, you, you, like, don't get your expectations too high. Never going to live up to them. Maybe, but that would like, seem, that seems, a, that seems a bit off. <laughs> like, I think, I think, like, they, they, well, I think he almost eulogizes him when he's when he's reading through when Martin um, Sheen's character Will is reading through the notes as he does all the way through his seven hour journey up the river. He effectively gets to the point where you feel like, oh, is he starting to like this guy? And I think he you expect to get there and almost Sheen to be like in awe of him, but he's not. And I kind of like that. But that then that brings that tension right back down. You know? Yeah. Like I just because wa- you realize he is just a man. He is just a man. But I wanted I wanted more of a statement about like why he changed what from what he was Hmm. and maybe not a statement but more insight into it and how that release of the old world yeah bled him into this all moral like what is morality what is Hmm. like i just wanted a little bit more 
I kind of felt like in that final scene, Kurt was kind of trying to die. He wanted it. He was at the stage, he was at the point of being like, well, if anyone can do it, it's you. Well, that's my point. Like maybe so much of what he's done has made him want to flirt with death himself. And yeah. like, that's what, that, that's what's driving the madness in him is to like, what is the only unknown, what is the knowable unknowable? The only thing that, that, that I can now know is to die, to find out like something are, yeah. heady like that. Like you, we didn't get anything from, we from are him. adding a lot to a character who effectively gibbers his way through this entire movie. It's great. Right. But it's, I guess the mystique that they built up of him is yeah. part, that's part of like, yeah, but it's partly a testament to that. So look, before we get into tones and themes, can I give you a few of my movie theories? My mad theory, or do you want me to wait till after? No, do it to it. All right, okay. So I've got a couple. And tell me if they fit with yours. So there's a few, and I mean, like, the first one's a little bit cliche, but, like, the very first, very, very first scene we see is Willard in his hotel room, and he is imagining that his fan is actually a helicopter, and, like, the little noises around him going outside are actually part of this, part of his PTSD, part of his adventure. Could this all be in his head? This is him trying to escape from the PTSD? It's a bit cliche, I admit. It's a movie theory. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie theory, Dre. Maybe, sure. I guess it could be. There's another theory, and th- this one is sort of leaning on something I was reading, but each stage of the journey and each sort of, as you move through each different part of the story, is a different run of Dante's Inferno. So, I Not mean... Not that way. Yeah, it does. And there's even a scene that really effectively just mirrors it, where there's all the, the, the guys in the water swimming after the boat, literally ripped from Dante's Inferno. And I'm pretty sure that must have been one of the influences for this. Because well, I decided in my notes, I literally said it feels like I'm descending into hell, which is what Dante like. And I wrote Dante's exactly. Inferno. I get, I, I agree. I think that's definitely an inspiration. Yeah, I think each character, maybe even just the characters on the boat, potentially, including Willard himself, they're each representing a part of his fragmented mind, a part of his psyche. Mm-hmm. Like there's the young one, there's the aspirational one, there's the one who you know, could be great. There's the old boat captain. There's the chef who's dissociated. And as they're all, as they're all, they're all effectively like a coping mechanism for his trauma. And as they're all dying, it's those parts of his mind sort of, that I like being cut out. I like that. Save the best for last. I like that one. I think that's very heady. You see that it is, it's, this is me at my headiest. This is how far I get. But that's that's what I thought. Well, Look. it's like a slow, slow introspection into like each each layer of the onion you remove. Like what is the self in, yeah. and, and what is like oh, an investigation of self in a wartime setting? Like what? And, and if you think about and that. What's left at the end. Yeah. If yeah. you think about that, like what's left would be very dark. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And what's left is Willard, who at the very beginning we knew was, yeah. you know, really suffering regardless. Tones and themes then. Let's do this. What do you reckon? Uh, I think it's pretty clear that there's a the hypocrisy of Western imperialism. Like very, very clear. Like, I don't want to say Big that it, time. it very, like it's definitely anti-war, but it's not like overtly anti-war. It just shows like what it is, like what war is, but it very clearly shows the unnecessary atrocities of like war. Ah, totally. That are fought for principles of benevolence, like in democracy and freedom. And the people who appara- have those principles aren't doing the fighting. Yeah. Like are, and apparently are like the ones like are the people that are like fighting for those principles are the ones doing all this the horror shit, right the horror um this is highlighted in no small part by the fact that the entire point of the mission <laughs> in the midst of all these senseless killings the u.s military is like wasting more lives to go kill their own right oh he went he finishes yeah. the mission yeah the one the only one and it sort of like leans on what i was mentioning in my 
movie theories is uh, the only one I know how do you get it's just like do you ever really come back from war what do you leave behind mentally yeah. emotionally physically like in different stages no, you'd be like a dude gets changed. his leg blown off you know what I mean like there's like you can li- you are literally completely changed by the end of it all right three best and three worst that's been a downer episode hasn't it sure thing man I'm like it's been a tough tough go let's go with three best the strength of the tone and message for me yes like it is a, like it was very purposeful um, despite filming a lot of things, they seem to have a really, really good idea of what they were trying to get out of it. It's 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 thoughtful in the way that the the music, the breakdown of the characters, the tone, the things they experience, the vision, like the sorry the uh, the cinematography, like it all goes, it all slowly descends down into Dante's Inferno together. Mm-hmm. All those different things on the same kind of uh, pace. So. I really like that. And that, I mean, like mine's, I, my third one's exactly the same, but it just how it deals with all of, all of the above, all the things yeah. you said. Like it, it, it does it in such a natural way, as weird as that seems to say, it all just makes sense. Yeah. How about your worst? Well, I've, have you done your other two? Oh, did I only do one? That was one. That was one. The dark satirical comedy, right? The, the, the dark satirical nature of, of it. Like, I just, I like a good dark like not not comedy well there was comedic elements no comedic moments. uh but the dark satire of it and then i i just said um the pacing in general which is kind of redundant to the first thing i said but interesting uh i said the soundtrack uh and we've talked about it a lot while we were talking yeah. like that descent into what it finally becomes and then i like that it ended with an americana track like the very ending mm. of it was bringing some of that back so it's clearly him refining his patriotism a little mm. bit and finishing his mission uh, and then just the unrelenting pull of that evil like you feel like you don't, I never once while watching the film felt like it was him going towards Brando. I felt like Brando was pulling him yeah, in the yeah. whole time. You Like it, it like almost he felt. Was intri- he was seduced by it almost. Yeah. The whole way, every step of the way. And like, you don't see Brando until two hours into this movie almost, but you feel him the whole, mm. really interesting. Worst, yeah. go hit me. If like, watch this movie for the journey, I would say. Okay. Don't expect the ending to like, change much like I, I think the 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 whole point of it is the ending is the natural culmination of what the movie is and That's through, the ending for me i, I said that throughout me. like i just i i wanted a bit more but that doesn't mean it's bad it's just like i i think that there was probably something else that could have been done mm. yeah and i had that i had it was i think let, yeah the, you're right let down is the wrong word it's yeah. more, it was a bit of an anti-climax which almost. is which is okay because like you know that's maybe that's the message they wanted to yeah, send. yeah but, well exactly like understood i also had a bit long but i get it insanity doesn't happen in a day um i said similar to that like so it's super intense right it's a two and a half hour movie and that's not bad like two and a half hour movies everything's two and a half hours these days more Mm -hmm. like it's not normal but because the subject matter is so grim and so intense and so unflinching all the way through Two and a half hours does not go by quickly at all. No, it does not. No, it does not. I didn't have a third. I couldn't think of a third. Oh, my, my last one was that, I, that there were there were just some times where I was a bit like some of the characters felt almost a bit cartoonish. Kilgore. And I know it's like a bit of a cliche line now. It's meant like, to be. Yeah. It's meant to be. And I, and I get that. But there, there were times when it did pull me out a little bit. Just just a little, just a little, just a little, little bit. All right. Final question of the day then. Yes. We don't do movie ratings. We don't do... 10 napalms out of 15 napalms. In the afternoon, morning, or evening. In any time of day. Yeah. 
we just talk about whether this movie is better or worse than the most average movie we can think of. The internet's too polarizing. So let's just say is it better or worse than the most average movie we can think of, which is Ackerman 2018. DL, I put it to you. Is this movie better or worse than the average movie? This movie uh, is much better. Wow. Yes. I did not see that coming. Than fish out of water, fish in water, <laughs> napalm in water you, or out of water. Wethor. Yeah, it's better. I absolutely agree. Like, I mean, it's poles apart. Let's be perfect. Yeah, like, it's, it's not, you know, some of these movies. Not even in you know, the yeah, we, don't, we could probably skip the segment. We apologize. We probably could. No, it's time. all right. Well, then, do you want a bit of true or false trivia to end on? For this one, yes. This would be a good one. This has got some fun truffles trivia. Uh, we've done a lot of trivia throughout, so I tried to save some that were maybe a bit more left field for mm. you for truffles trivia. All right, okay. So Lawrence Fishbourne, in this movie, lied about his age. He was actually 15 when production began in 1976. Is true or is this true? False? Actually false. He was 14. You're going to do some stupid How? little age trick. Like what on earth? you commented on youth so much with that character. Um, Yeah, I mean, good for him. Probably worked out for him. Seems like it did. Well, I mean, you'd think so. Yeah. He's still doing pretty well. Seems like it did. Still still in those John Wick movies. Robert Duvall's iconic Oscar-nominated performance as Colonel Kilgrave only amounts to 11 minutes of screen time. I know. It, 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 yeah, but it does feel bigger than that. Yeah, it does. True or false? True. It is true. I find that yeah. bloody fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. True or false? Every single member of Chris Hemsworth's family appears in this movie. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's, that's Star Love and Thunder from that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you, uh, I, that movie's still sort of just going around in my mind uh, how dull it was. Really? Um, oh, does, uh, is his family in the movie? <laughs> his whole family is wow, in that movie. that's a joke. Uh, okay, sorry, last one then. True or false? The water buffalo slaughter in this movie was real. The scene was inspired by a ritual performed by a local tribe, which uh, Francois Coppola and his wife witnessed years before. I wanted to. Yeah. Fuck, it looked real. It is brutal. They can't say no animals were harmed in the filming of no, this. No, they cannot. No, they cannot. Yeah. That shit was <laughs> yikes. All right. Well, ultimately, like I thought this was just a masterclass intention, deliberate evil, suspense, dealing with unhinged, act- unhinged actors, dealing with being in the jungle for over a year. It was phenomenal. Yeah, I was there for a week in a resort. It was pretty hard. It's a hard watch, <laughs> but it's a phenomenal movie. Right. That is. It is. It's a good it's one. It's amazing. Well then, DL, would you like a couple of bits of correspondence to wrap up with? Yeah, let's hear it. You wouldn't believe it, DL. We got some great correspondence this week. I'm I'm and ready. I've, I've actually also just included one <laughs> of, of of our famous new section from last week, which is just a, a random YouTube comment, which I'll I'll bring uh, up for you in a moment. Love a little YouTube comment. Bring back for you in a moment. Now, DL, friend of the show Dave, said to us, DL. I think you don't know your Lord of the Rings as well as you think you do. I don't think I do either. So he <laughs> messaged uh, just a screenshot of Google, which is effectively saying the Nazgul are the ringwraiths, which you you just got wrong, my friend. I'm I don't sorry. know. I don't know. I may have to audit this. The Nazgul introduced as Black Riders are also called ringwraiths. So it's the Black dark Riders. So it's the, the Dark Riders, riders are on... simply the Nine. But why are they called the Nazgul when they're on horses? They're not. They, they are the Nazgul. But they're not called it till they got the dragons. It's just, you've just been semantics. It makes no difference. It does. It doesn't. It does. They're always the Nazgul. But they the can't be. I, I, I don't think they can be Nazgul unless they're, on they're the, unless they're on the dragon. Look, I'm telling you now, 
They're introduced as the Black Riders, but they are That's also called point. the Nazgul, the Ring Race, the Dark Riders. It's just a different name for them. I don't know. You were wrong, my I friend. I don't know. Was, according you. to what? The Silmarillion? According to fucking Google. Uh, Thank can, you, friend of the show, Dave. Where can I find us, by the way? We never said. Uh, podcast Assemble uh, on Instagram or the Podcast Assemble at gmail.com. Absolutely, can. Or, you can or you can find us on YouTube, uh, Podcast Assemble, and comment on one of our videos. <laughs> That's pretty targeted. <laughs> it's pretty targeted. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. fans, fans know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, as we are recording, DL, on yes. Thursday, which we don't do very often, I wanted to bring you a Fan Theory Thursday sent over by friend of the show, Bertie. So Fan right. Theory Thursday. Tell me what do you think of this, whether you think it's right, and do you believe it in, in terms of the broader law? Stormtrooper armor isn't actually meant to protect them. It's meant to intimidate by creating a monolithic army of fierce-looking warriors. Empire could more easily use fear to keep people in line. Because, I mean, it doesn't seem to do a lot for them. I was going to say, like, I can understand. It's great. It sounds like they go cheap on the armor, too. They got to save some cost because it doesn't do much saving, so... Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a great theory. I'm in, I'm in. And they look scary as hell. The first time I saw Stormtroops, I was like... Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm about it. I agree. All right, final bit of correspondence then, DL. Comes from my latest YouTube video. Please find us on YouTube. It's Podcast Assemble. We've got a couple of videos out there. I'm trying to do more. So it'd be great to get your, uh, get your comments. Uh, comes from Vikram Jadev Neo. Ah, but of course. The old favorite. Yeah. And it's on my video around, why should we give a shit about Black Adam? Now, I'm not sure if this guy, you know, maybe he just didn't know how to finish his sentence properly. This just says, you should talk so soon. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my reaction. I'm like, what are you, what is, what is, is this he saying? Like, like, why, why should he give a fuck about our video? No, I think it's more like, like, you should like, talk, motherfucker. What about you? Yeah, well, you've, you've never done anything with your life. Yeah, yeah, which oh. is fair enough. Yeah. I'm like, thank you, Vikram. I appreciate that feedback. That's great. It's not quite as funny as our favorite from last week that was just like, downvote, I'm back, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Close, though. Constantly proving that social media is a uh, whirlwind of positive commentary, positive energy, yeah. and I love it. But I love the I, I love I love the comments. I think they're hilarious. And it's yeah, so keep them going, man. Keep, keep them trolling, coming, us. guys. I like it. DL, do you want to wrap up the show? Yeah. Look, uh, thank you for sticking with it, guys. Thank you for sticking with it. You, with it, leave a comment. Leave a leave a yeah. sh- leave a review. Leave a share. Thank you, uh, Bliss. I think we need a name a nickname, Blissy. So, so let's, what do we got? We got any good nicknames for, for Matt? We, we should get a nickname. Also, uh, we should probably plug his... Uh, plug and his we should stuff. plug his podcast, which is called... Uh, Dead Drop Pod. Dead Drop Pod. Mr. Matt Bliss of Blissery Podcasts. There you go. We will share his details next week because he forgot yeah. to share them with me. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, he, he's an up-and-comer get- in the game and he's going to be huge. Yep. And uh, we appreciate his edits. Take all the creative license you can, man. We need the help. And with that, I will say thank you uh, for the God. I will say thank you for everyone listening and tally ho, tally ho.